So, for many, many centuries on this Sunday, there's been a traditional response that goes like this. Someone says, Christ is risen, and people respond enthusiastically. That's the key. He is risen indeed. Let's try that together. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. And I tell you, in celebration of that, next week we are so excited that Love My City uh, week starts you know, over the next two weeks uh, after next Sunday where uh, we will have thousands of hours of community service through people in the, in the church out serving on the streets of the city. Our dream, and it happens throughout the year through our small groups and other ministries that serve out in the community, but our dream is being the largest volunteer mobilization force this city has ever seen so that people know, even if they don't believe what we believe, that we love them and that we want to be a positive difference maker in our community. And so every Sunday, tout le dimanche, uh, il y a une question que nous demandons. There is a question every Sunday that we ask because we are seeking to build our lives on the foundation of God's word because we have found that this book has wisdom and insight and power for our lives. And so here's what we do. Every Sunday, we ask this question. Êtes-vous prêt? Are you ready? Here we go. Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay, yes. All right, today we are in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Over the last few weeks, uh, we have been handing out these cards all around the community, inviting people uh, to, uh, to Easter and our activities. And then over the last week, we've been going door to door and, uh, and inviting people at their homes to, uh, to Easter and to Easter Bunny Blast and even to serve with us in Love My City over the next few weeks. And our prayer teams, oh, it was so beautiful. In fact, I see even over here one of our guys who just had amazing stories of miracles taking place where you could see God's hand at work as we literally stood at, at the doorstep on people, at people's homes and prayed over the needs of their family. God is on the movie doing wonderful things. And so here is what that card says that we've been using this month. Easter invites us to believe there is more. And I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there could be something better? Do you believe is, it is possible that, that in your life right now that there could be something more than what you have experienced so far? Because listen, believing there is something more is an essential ingredient to happiness. In fact, that's what the Bible calls hope. Hope is the belief that no matter what is going on in my life right now, better things are yet to come. That's hope. And so we hope for different things. And, you know, young people, sometimes it's, it's I hope I pass this test. <laughs> and God says, I hope you studied. <laughs> it's I, I hope I make the team. And God says, I hope you practiced. <laughs> I hope we win the game. And then we... You know, our hopes move to, I hope I get this job, or I, I hope 
she uh, says yes when I ask her out. <laughs> or I hope he doesn't ask me out. <laughs> or or I, I hope that we get the house that we want. I, I hope we have children to fill this house. And then it's, I hope the children will move. What, what is it? I hope the children will move out of the house. That's the dream right there, amen? But then we realize that instead of more, so often life gives us less than we hoped for. And maybe you did not get that dream job that you had been working for for so many years. Maybe you did get married and you wished you had not. Please don't say amen. Maybe a tragedy happens, a death, an accident, a sickness. Maybe the fact is today, if you were to be completely honest, you have stopped believing that there could be more for your life. If that is the case for you, let me tell you something, my friend. You have come to the right place. <laughs> because Jesus says... Jesus says that in your darkest hour, your darkest hour is an opportunity for God to show his power. Amen. Your darkest hour is an opportunity for God's power. So let's get into the scripture for today. And here's why. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25. We're going to read this out loud together, okay? So get your throat cleared, get ready to read with gusto. Here we go, John 12, verse 24 to 25, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now this is one of those times where at first glance, Jesus says something and you're thinking, what in the world is he talking about here? And what does this have to do with Easter? And so in case you have not realized how strange this is, like each line has something that makes you go, huh? And so just to make sure that we get this, I want to, to read back through this slowly for you. And we're going to break this down, uh, where Jesus says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat. Now, what is a kernel of wheat? A kernel of wheat is a seed. So Jesus says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, just one. That's all you have. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let, let me summarize that for you. If it dies, it multiplies. And anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So let's break this down kind of line by line in the time that we have together today. And first notice that Jesus is talking about 
wheat. Now, here in, in New Brunswick, we are known for growing potatoes. We are known for growing blueberries. And thank you, Lord, for maple syrup. Am I right? <laughs> in fact, Pat did not know when he said before how many pancakes we served. I do know the number was 4,200 pancakes yesterday made by, made by our amazing teams. Well, pancakes are one thing, but that is a lot of syrup. <laughs> it was sticky around here yesterday. And so I am not an expert in growing wheat. But here's what I do know. If you want a plant to grow, first what you need to do is take the seed. Okay, you take that seed and you rub it around in your armpit, you throw it in the air and it flowers and blooms and sprinkles down to the earth. Is that how it works? No, where do you put a seed? In the, in the ground. Like, that sounds just as strange as putting it in your armpit. Why would you put it in the ground? See, here's, here's what happens. Think about this, you take a seed, you put it in a hole in the ground, and then you take a shovel, and you cover it over with dirt until it is completely buried. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a seed, I would not be in favor of this plan. <laughs> I would say, what are you doing with that shovel? Don't put me in that hole. What are you trying to do to me? But Jesus knows something. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that being buried is the only way that a seed will ever fulfill its potential. Jesus said, if you want that seed to become more than what it is right now, to experience more than what it has experienced so far, then what has to happen is, what you have to do is, Jesus says, it has to be buried. And if anyone else is watching this process, being buried has to seem like the worst possible thing that could happen to a seed being put down in the ground with no air, no light, no sunshine, covered by earth, can't breathe, can't see, can't move. It seems like the end of the story. But here's what you and I know. That once you put a seed in the ground, after it is buried, that something amazing and miraculous takes place. And here's what it is. That which looks like death is about to give birth to, do, to new life. Now, now stay with me now. Listen, something reaches down to that seed and calls it forth to rise up. And all of a sudden, before you know it, there is a stirring that happens from deep within the earth. And pretty soon, in what looked like a helpless situation, roots start to grow down and shoots start to rise up. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that which looked like death was actually giving birth to new life. And this is nothing new. We are familiar with this process. We see it every 
day. We see it in the harvesting of a garden. We see it in the changing of the seasons. We in Canada know something about winter. Yes? And sometimes in around February or late March, the season of death seems to never end. <laughs> but then comes spring. This morning, I heard a beautiful thing when I got out of bed. This morning, I heard birds outside of my window. That's a beautiful th sound when they've been gone for months. Welcome home, birds. Why? Because spring is a season of new beginnings. And so Jesus says these words, unless a seed falls to the ground. Now, you, you have to realize that when, when Jesus says these words, he is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He is about to experience suffering and pain and ultimately death. But Jesus willingly goes forward in that. Why? Because Jesus understood something that we so often fail to misunderstand in our lives. And when you begin to understand this in your life, all of a sudden it begins to change things in your life as well when you realize this, that in the cross, the greatest symbol of defeat was about to become the greatest symbol of victory. Now, let's talk about the cross for just a minute, and let's admit something, that, that Christians sometimes forget how crazy it is that we venerate the cross. Think about the cross. We, you go to any cemetery, and you see Crosses on the tombstone, probably more than anything else. If you look at our church logo, between the M and the W, there is a cross. Have you ever noticed that? There's a cross in our, our church logo. When, when, when we are here in, in services on Sunday, many times we have images of the cross up on the screens which is a modern version of stained glass. <laughs> we sing songs about the cross, but think for just a minute, what was the purpose of a cross? It was a killing machine. It was an instrument of death, kind of like an electric chair. Do you know that you know, in, in many countries, when someone is sentenced to death, they go to the electric chair. And I want you to imagine for a minute if you went to a church and all the songs were about, oh Lord, thank you for the electric chair. Oh Lord, thank you for the electric chair. How, how crazy does that sound? I mean, how weird do you have to be to put an electric chair or a guillotine in your church logo? until you realize something. All of a sudden, it begins to make sense when you realize that in the cross, the greatest symbol of defeat was about to become the greatest symbol of victory. And so Jesus says, like a seed in the ground. And there his body lay. 
And so on Good Friday, they took the dead body of Jesus and they put it in the tomb. They buried him. And for those who had been following Jesus, this had to be the worst moment in their lives. Fear is creeping in. Hope is vanishing as the body of Jesus lays buried in the tomb. The disciples ran away. They hid in the upper room. They locked the door behind them, afraid for their lives. And why were they so afraid? It's because they forgot what Jesus had been teaching them all along. They forgot that Jesus said, oh, remember what happens when a seed is buried in the ground. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 6 says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes, angels, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has risen. And then what happened next is they began to see Jesus for themselves. He appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people in different times and in different places. And soon the Roman officials and the religious authorities began to hunt them down. Those early Christians were persecuted and, and suffered and even were put to death. And yet they would not be silenced. They would not back down. Why? Because now, after the resurrection, finally, they understood what Jesus had been teaching them all along. Now they understood that what is true for a seed, it must die to multiply, was also true for Jesus, that his death was not the end. It was, in fact, the doorway to your new beginning. And so the question that remains, here's the question, what does that have to do with you and me? How does that apply to our lives? And so let's go back one more time to what Jesus said in our passage of Scripture. John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, very truly I tell you, he says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If it dies, it multiplies. And anyone who loves their life will lose it. And anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now again, this is one of those things that Jesus says that seems really strange. In fact, this kind of sounds like it is the opposite of how Jesus lived. Because Jesus loved life. Jesus loved people. 
And so what Jesus is talking about here, when you read it in its greater context, you begin to understand that Jesus is talking about the issue of surrender. And here's what Jesus is saying about surrender. He says, it is only in surrendering your life that you find the purpose of life. And the fact is that all of us are out there in this world simply trying to find the meaning of life. And different people pursue different things, but we know that our culture says, we've got it. Our world says the more you get of what the world has to offer, the more satisfied you will be. And yet, have you found that to be true? The more money you get, the happier you are. Is that true? No. Some of the richest people I know are miserable, and yet I have been to third world countries where they have nothing, and they are filled with joy. And so we think, well, maybe relationships are the answer. The world says that's what you need. If you can find your fulfillment in somebody else. That's, I mean, if, if that was not the world's answer, then we wouldn't have half of the movies that we have today. Hallmark Channel would go out of business. Because if I can just find that right guy, that right girl, if I, if, if I can just find that right relationship, and yet the people that we try to, to find fulfillment with, it's never as good as we hoped it would be. And so we chase after that right job. If I could just finally get the dream job that I've been working for all along, then I would be happy. And so we run after sex and money and success and all these things the world says will make you happy as the purpose of life. But it's like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. This is in the Old Testament. And Solomon says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. He says, I, I went out and found and did and bought and tried everything the world has to offer. Yet, when I surveyed all that I had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained. Solomon says, I tried it all, but nothing could fill this longing in my heart. This empty spot in my life. Until Jesus says in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and not just any kind of life, that they might have it more abundantly. See, this is why the message of Jesus is called the gospel, which is a word that means good news. Doesn't that sound like good news, that Jesus provides abundant life, the fulfilling life that we have been searching for all along? But here is the key. What Jesus makes clear in what we've already looked at in John chapter 12, is Jesus says that the only way to receive this life is by giving it to him. There was a, uh, a 
children's ministry worker at church. And she had all the little children there, like our kids are over there right now, and, and she's teaching them about heaven, and she says to them, children, you know, after talking about what Jesus has done, she says, children, can you go to heaven by just being a good person? And they all shout, no. And so she says, children, can you go to heaven by being a good student or a good parent? And they said, no. She said, can, can you go to heaven just by giving enough money and and they say, no. And finally, one of the kids raises his hand and says, teacher, teacher, I know. I know. He says, she said, then how do you get to heaven? And he says, duh, you have to die first. <laughs> and yet, really, that is the answer. That's what Jesus says, that we have to die to ourselves first in order to receive him. Jesus says that just as a seed must be buried, it dies to multiply. In the same way, Romans 6 verse 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Why does it say that? Because the Bible says the punishment for sin is death. That's what we deserve. Somebody has to pay the price for the sin that separates me from God, in order for it to be forgiven, in order for it to be paid for. And so I must be crucified with Christ. I must receive the gift that he offered on the cross. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we are so excited around here because we are seeing that happen every day. We are seeing people find miracles and, and families restored and marriages being brought back together and addictions broken and people being healed and finding hope and meaning and freedom and joy. Last week, I talked to somebody out in the atrium It was right after the service. And she said, Joel, je suis très contente d'être ici à cette église, église. I am so glad to be here. She said, because six months ago, my life had no meaning and purpose. It was a dead end. I had nothing to live for. But then I came to this church and I found that Jesus loved me so much that he gave himself for me. And now I'm walking in new life. Not that everything is perfect. Not that all of my problems are solved. But I found what the answer to life really is. <laughs> Thank you.
And guess what? So can you. Say pour toi aussi. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that you believe, or with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. In case you're wondering, that is what all of this is about. Let's stand together. And so we are inviting our, our prayer team to come down today. And in addition to them being here at the front, just like every Sunday, we also have prayer team members in white shirts upstairs. I see over here uh, one, and I, I'm not sure where the others are. Oh, there we go. Not quite as bright on that side. And so if you have a need and you would like someone to join you in prayer today, they are here, they are equipped and ready. Maybe you need to pray for a miracle that in your darkest hour, you need God's power. Maybe you want to surrender more of your life to Him and there's something that God is calling you to, to surrender to Him and you would like someone to join you in prayer. Not that you can't do it from your own seat, but if you would like someone to join you in that, we invite you to come as we sing. In fact, you could even come right now. Beat the crowd. <laughs> but especially today, if you would like prayer for salvation, I'm gonna come back in just a few minutes and we are going to pray together if you'd like to make that decision. But if you'd like a partner to join you in that prayer right now, you're welcome to come as we sing these words.